Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It was the longest and shortest night of my life. A night I will never forget. A night that would change my life forever for both the good and bad. A horror movie that came to life, but also an opportunity that forced me to always live my life as if it was the last day, filling it with adventure and fun and good vibes along the way. In the strangest way, I am super grateful for the Childers Fire because what I realize now is that I learned more than I lost. The events of that night will haunt me forever. I will never forget what the Childers community did for us all in the days that followed. How do you thank people who have literally built you from the ground up? I can't describe what it's like to stand somewhere in a foreign country with literally just the clothes on your back. No money, no passport. Nothing to say that you're you. And you're so dependent on others. And then others step up. No words can express um, you know, our thanks and, and never will. Um, be able to, no, I mean, you, you all took us in, comforted us, you fed us, you clothed us, no, you kept us safe uh, at a very vulnerable time. There just is no words in the English language that can sum up. I'm so very grateful I am to all of you. You dressed us, you fed us, you even did the dishes. You let us cry, you let us scream, you let us stare into space. You took us home for a shower, you, you baked us a cake. When you saw us sitting in the streets, you just stopped and made sure we were all right. You were there to talk, you were there to listen. You were there day and night. You did so much. You were the reason we were able to start a way to recovery. You're still looking after our friends and you're making sure and not forgotten. You won't find it listed on their driver's license or any form of ID for that matter. But ask any of the 69 people who escaped the Palace Hostel fire in June 2000, and they'll tell you Childers feels like home. As um, a backpacker, it's got everything that you need, and they pick you up. Uh, they drop you to work, they get you a job, <laughs> they pick you up. So it's actually, you know, it's a good place to be. It is a wonderful place. And Childers has obviously had to evolve and progress as a town. I think it's wonderful. It is amazing that from this terrible, terrible tragedy, an amazing friendship was formed. The people of Childers are always, always in my heart. 
That's Noga Corner. She's one of the many voices you'll hear in this episode that haven't featured in this podcast until now. It's been quite a journey. The more stories that have been told and unpacked, the more people have come forward. There's been some who emerged and said, hey, I was there too. Others who've said, because of the stories I've listened to, I've realised I'm actually not alone after all. Carrying this burden for 20 years hasn't been good. And you know what? Because of what I've heard, I've realised that my suffering in silence approach didn't need to be that way. Because listening to people like Jessica and Tia and Keith and Sarah and Neil and everyone who's told their stories, it just suddenly made sense. People like Brett Parker. In recent months, listening to your podcast, um, I've really felt very, very emotional about what this has done to the families um, and friends of the ones we have lost. There have been some who've been in touch privately, been regular listeners, and let me know that just tuning in has helped them process and deal with their trauma. And then people who haven't felt like they were able to lend their voice to the project until now. People like Dutch backpacker Manushka Taven. How do you explain to people on the other side of the world what it's like to be in a hostel, what it's like to work on the fields, what it's like to make friendships within hours that are more deep and more meaningful than maybe friendships you had for years? Manushka had been travelling up the Australian East Coast with some English and Canadian girls she'd met in Sydney. But one day she was drawn to an ad for Childers she'd seen in a travel magazine and was seduced by the charm of flying solo and chasing the Queensland sun. She made friends quickly. She'd been there about 10 days. And after going over on her hours on the avocado farm on June 22, 2000, was told she could have the next day off. So after a round of pancakes at the palace, she was heading across the road to the pub with fellow Dutchies Katja Berensden, Sebastian Vesterveld and Yoli van der Velden. On the way, Yoli stopped at the public phone box to call her parents back in Holland. Manushka waited for her on the footpath. I turned around and looked at the hostel and I remember listening to the birds in the trees and just thinking I'm in a really place I want to be with people I really like. So that night it was mostly with Jolie and Sebastian Katja. We were just talking about what our plans were after Childers and maybe in a few weeks' time we could travel up together because we all had the same plan. We all wanted to do travel a bit more towards the sun. It was a great night, good company, backpackers joining for a drink to farewell Sarah Williams, who was headed back to Wales the next day. Manushka, Sebastian, Katja and Yoli were the last to leave. We shared some drinks and we had a good time, like, like you do. And we were the last ones to go back to the hostel because most people had gone back because they had to work the next day, so... I remember going in and just being so self-aware not to make noise to wake people up. But we were just giggling away and we were just inside and it was really dark. I remember that it was really dark and we just made such a, an effort not to make too much noise. 
Actually, to be clear, Katja wasn't drinking that night. She was rooming with Kate and Lauren Morris, as we heard earlier in the series. She testifies waking at 12.20am, not long after she'd gone to bed. Manushka's in room four, Yoli is in room three with Sarah Marnie, and Sebastian is in room six with his good mate Adam Rowland and Neil Griffith. I remember the last thing Sebastian said to me was, good night, Tiger. And less than an hour later, I would be standing outside near that phone booth, looking back at that building and knowing that they were still in there, not coming out. Yoli and Sebastian were among the 15 victims of the fire that night. The only thing I wanted to do was stare at the building because I knew our friends were in there and I could feel them, their souls going. I could, I could feel them dying. And then Noemi kept coming back to me saying, you know, she need to call your parents. They need to know before they see the news. I said to her, Mum, I've been in the fire. I'm all right. I haven't got anything, but I'm all right. But they're dying. And my mum, of course, didn't understand what, what was going on. She just heard, I'm in a fire, I'm all right. So she was like, oh, well, I'll put some money in your account so you can buy a new bag for your things. And I'm like, but mum, everything is gone. They're dying. Ze gaan dood. Ze gaan dood. I remember saying that in Dutch. And my mum was like very trying to maybe calm me down, but also not understanding the magnitude of it. The phone call was very short and I hung up and I went back to staring at the building, knowing that our friends were not coming out and that they were dying. The days following the fire were gruelling. Manushka was one of the backpackers who spoke at the memorial service three nights later. She also chose the final song, which has become a sort of unofficial soundtrack for the survivors. James Taylor's You've Got a Friend. I remember choosing that song because only a few days before the fire, I was humming at On the Fields. At one point, loads of people were suddenly singing that song, You've Got a Friend. And even now, when I hear that song, I don't only think about the ceremony, I also think about the rolling avocado fields of Childers and all those happy backpackers, all, all the positivity and all that potential and all that young life that was making the best of life. And, Living the fullest. It was just days into an extended grieving process. Most of the 69 survivors stayed in Childers. That in itself was therapeutic in their own recovery. Well, sometimes we didn't even need words. We would just look at each other Um That was quite a special thing about Childers and about being with the survivors. They they gave us an opportunity 
to be together and to create these bonds and to form these lasting friendships that we have. I'll always be grateful for that. Over the last 20 years, I've stayed in touch with a handful um, of the other survivors. It's, it's a bond that's never got to be broken. Um, you know all you have to do is pick up a phone and you'll be right back uh, to where it began. You know, look, that friendship will never go away. Somebody once told me, you, you make friends for a reason, season or a lifetime. Many of those friends you make during travelling turn out to be friends for life. There is this connection that will always draw us to each other, no matter what. At the centre of it all was the Childers community, a band of volunteers who simply turned up in the middle of the night and didn't leave until their work was done. Everybody just did what needed to be done and it was like it was like clocks coming together. It just worked. Probably because we had a common goal and, and that's the other thing that there is around here. When you've got a job to do and someone's in trouble, you just get in there and you do it. Yeah, everyone pulled together because they wanted to protect the integrity of the town and, and look after the, those. And the backpackers. Yeah. There, was a, there was, and still is to some degree, a feeling of guilt. And I remember saying to the head of QFVG, these young people came into this town where we live to work in our industry and this should never, ever have happened. So there was a feeling of guilt there as well, but there was a feeling that of protection because we were all parents and we all had, most of us had kids or kids growing up. So it was to protect them with a full understanding that none of their families were here. Basically, these young people were here on their own. Uh, I mean, I remember um, you know, many, many years ago, somebody saying, had it happened in a bigger town or in a city or something, you know, they wouldn't have been that sort of small community, you know, running around and, and that support sort of thing. I mean, hey, you know, we'll never know, thank God, but, you know, it's, I think, I think it certainly would have been different. How Childers put their arms around us when we needed it the most. Local people, local businesses, local council, local emergency service gave us what we needed and we thank you for that. That's a very consistent theme. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, many of the survivors have been in touch as this podcast series has progressed. They've asked for the opportunity to finally say the thank you to the people of Childers that many of them felt they never fully articulated 20 years ago. Dear people of Childers, I would like to thank you for being my mother, my father, my sister. My brother, my friend, my mate, my buddy, my pal, and sometimes my psychologist, and always my optimist. We are so very grateful to the most amazing community of Childers for wrapping us up and taking us in at our most vulnerable time. We will never, ever forget the amount of kindness that you showed us. We're so grateful for all the love and support of those few weeks after the fire. I am forever thankful to the community of Childers. They handled us, the victims, with love, generosity, respect and kindness. 
There is no better definition of community and connection than what happened in the town of Childers during the days following the fire. To the people who cooked scrambled eggs, and then the food that was donated and came in, and the people who cooked it for the two weeks that we were there, day in, day out, never having to worry, never having to think about anything other than our own survival and our own step-by-step movement through the day. They gave us lavender to put under our pillows to help us sleep. They had endless massages for our tense shoulders and they were just always there for us. I want to thank everybody that supported us in the aftermath of the fire. Brought us together at the cultural centre. That gave us accommodation. That looked after us. Fed us. Got us anything that we... We'd asked for. To Carl Hayden and your crew. I never knew your names until the podcast. I was one of them. You got off the butcher's roof. So from the bottom of my heart and my family's, you are my heroes. I never got the opportunity to thank you for risking your lives to save us. I don't think thank you can describe the gratitude I have for the people of Childers. This community threw their arms around us and took us in as their own from the minute we ran out of a burning building to this day. I just want to take a moment to thank you for everything you did for us and still doing today. You are forever in our hearts and memories and often in our thoughts. I'm still grateful for the way everybody looked after us. It made the sharp edges of grief a little softer. Childers is a small town with a big heart. We still can remember this lovely old lady. We can't remember her name, but when the sun was coming up in the morning, we were still covered in black soot everywhere all over us. And she took us to her house and let us have a warm shower and made a cup of tea and some toast. And she was just there for us in our time of need and and we're so very grateful for the whole town of Childers for doing that for us. And I want you to say a big thank you to the person, persons who made the lovely blankets that were handed out on the bus before we left for one of the organised excursions to escape from the sadness. My blanket is green with teddies on one side and a soft fleece for warmth on the other. The blanket is still treasured now. My two girls would always get it out and have a teddy bear picnic on it in the garden. Nowadays, it just gives them some comfort when they have sleepovers. The one I received, which I still cherish, was crocheted in the Irish colours, green, white and gold. Also, thank you for the hug, the pat on my back, the nod of the head, the comfort, the listening, the words of advice. Thank you for being there when I needed it most. Not only then, but ever since. I love you all. So many of you are our unsung heroes. We will never be able to say thank you to each and every one of you. We can't express our gratitude and love for all of you. Never doubt that for us as survivors, Jules feels warm. Childers feels like home. Childers feels like family. You put me back on my feet when I needed you most. You're amazing. The emergency services, the fire brigade, the ambulance, 
police who came together that night and for however long afterwards that it took to put Robert Long behind bars. Thank you. Thank you. To Bill and Trevor, from the night of the 23rd of June 2000, you and the powerful community of Childers put everything aside and came to the aid of 69 very shattered souls. I was one of them. I am and always will be forever indebted to you all. So Bill, how, how do you want Childers to be remembered out of all of this? I want Childers to be remembered as a caring community that had a tragedy but reacted to that tragedy in a way that showed the humanness of our community, the charitable aspects of our community and the love and support that we gave not only at the time to survivors but to grieving families. And above all, I want it to be remembered as a place and a strength of community that people would want to make their home here. Bill Trevor was an absolute rock for that community. He, for all his stature and gruffness and strong leadership, he's got a heart of gold and he's a marshmallow inside. And the fact as a leader he could show, and at times he didn't have any choice, acute vulnerability and show he's only human and that raw love for his town and that sadness and his absolute devastation for the victims and their families. He, in my book, showed absolutely incredible leadership. As strange as it sounds, Given the devastation they'd all been through and the burden they were carrying, one of the hardest things for the survivors to actually do was leave, separate themselves from the tragedy, break out of the bubble, and ultimately move on. We were on a different wavelength to other travellers, for sure. You know, things had changed. We weren't the same people that we were when we first arrived. Everything was different. I personally didn't know what to do, didn't know what I wanted, didn't know what I needed. We were in such a shock and it was almost easy that people looked after us because nothing otherwise was easy emotionally. The people in Childers helped us in, in so many ways. They, they even reminded us to eat and they reminded us, yes, you do need clothes to move on and get on track again. We were taken care of so well that we didn't have to think for ourselves for a bit. And to get out of that and step away from that was really hard. And it was also really hard to to let the tribe go. Kind of the survivors were not a family, not friends. It was, it was a tribe kind of, we stuck together. and. It was hard to let that go because the next step of going back into the world was quite daunting. It, it was definitely really hard to leave Childers. Everyone sort of started leaving after the second week. 
a few people here, a few people there, and we'd all go down to the bus stop and um, see each other off. There'd be lots of crying and hugs and, you know, exchanging of details, etc. And then it uh, came time for me to leave. I think there might have been about 10 of us that left and the local people would come down to the bus stop and see us off and there'd be lots of cuddles and, <laughs> and tears. Uh, but, you know, they'd given us everything that we needed to carry on. I can't imagine what it must have been like and I've never really considered it until now when a few weeks later we all left taking our trauma with us and leaving you with a burnt out shell of a building. You walked past day in day out until a few years later when it was finally done up and left you with fields of fruit and vegetables to pick and a grief of your own. I can't imagine how hard it's been for you as well. There were days um, people were leaving and we would we would go to the bus stop, hug each other and cry <laughs> and see each other off. And it was, you know, like five at a time, ten at a time. And then it came time for, for our group to leave and... Um, it was it was pretty hard. It was very very sad, but like everything, that there's there's a time. You know, looking back, uh, they couldn't really do it for much longer. Um, we were really hard work, and I think a lot of the volunteers were probably really lacking in sleep, and um, also you know needing to go back to their work and their lives and their families. What they eventually all realised was Childers was their security blanket. Despite what had happened, despite 15 of their friends being taken from them in the most horrific circumstances, despite so many of them nearly also losing their life in the fire that night. In a bizarre way, because of the way the town cradled them with love and care, because of the way they provided counsel and comfort to each other, Childers had become their safe space. And 20 years on, it still is. Having all those kids that survived the fire coming through the door of the hotel in Utrecht with hugs and cuddles and presents is certainly something that warms my heart. They survived the fire and uh, they had very, very nice things to say about Childers and the community here. I take immense pride in the memorial that we've built here to one of those young lives and to celebrate the youth. And I, I take great heart from the fact that there's so many good people in the community that when a need arises, they rise to the occasion. And I think it underscores what we as Australians are all about. We're a pretty laissez-faire group. We like to take the mickey or piss out of one another. But when the chips are down, we'll be there for one another. And that's what this community did. They speak from near their place. They come back, they ask for you. If you didn't handle it well 20 years ago, there's a fair chance they wouldn't do that. And they'd have a very different view of this town. 
Well, look, that was one of the things uh, that ran through my mind at the time of, of the tragedy is that, you know, whatever, I just bolt, never want to come back, talk about bad things in Childers, Queensland, Australia. It's been the exact opposite. Uh, you know, we've had a number of kids back several times uh, over that period of time, bringing their families to show them where they were at the time, what happened, where they went, the people they met. I think Childers is a story that has no ending. It's a story that with each year there is a new chapter because the survivors continue to live that horrific night. The loved ones of victims continue to live with the loss of their beautiful family member or friend. And the town and the townsfolk continue to see that building day after day. And now that's not a bad thing because they have turned it into such a beautiful tribute to that horrible tragedy. But if we don't remember tragedies like Childers, I humbly suggest we're not respecting our history. And this wasn't a story about a horrible arsonist. This was a story about humanity. This was a story about a community coming together, about an international response. And in the end, dare I say a tad corny, but love did conquer. At times that town was enveloped in hate and rage. At the end, there was this overwhelming love for their kids. They adopted the survivors as their own and they focused on that and they rebuilt their community, they rebuilt their backpacking industry, they rebuilt the township and they left long to sit in jail. What I'd like to remember out of it is the strength of the people of Childers and I think they helped repair as much as they humanly could 69 lives of survivors who lived through that to give them another chance to sort of live life to its full. You imagine if the local community had not reacted in a positive way, this disaster would have been a lot more extensive than it actually was. Well, I just hope it is remembered as a community that handled and recovered from a terrible occurrence that claimed some wonderful young lives far from their homes. Twenty years on, it's been an incredible journey and one I've been so privileged to be a part of, starting as a young journalist on scene on that first very confronting morning to now through this podcast series. It has only been possible because of the courageous men and women who have so openly told their stories over the past nine months. I'd like to thank the amazing Zoltan Fecho for his work in editing and creating the original sound design and composition throughout this series, which continued to grow and expand as it progressed. Your commitment to honouring everyone involved in this story is to be applauded. My thanks to the Bundaberg Regional Council for their support of this project. They run the memorial to the victims in Childers. Please do go and visit it to pay your respects to the victims of the fire if you can. 
Through this project, I've gotten to know so many of those involved in the children's story. Community workers and volunteers, the survivors, the families. And finally, through the stories of others, those who lost their lives on that horrific night in June 2000. It's a major moment in Australian history and it seems there are so many lines running through that date, June 23, which just keep intersecting. Couples have formed, there's been weddings, babies. As we heard earlier in the series, Tia Po's son Luca was born on June 23. It's Dutch survivor Herco Terra's birthday, the day Rob Janssen started his police career. And numbers, a paltry 20-year sentence for the man convicted of lighting the fire. But I'd prefer to remember the 69 brave survivors. They are friends for life. And the 15 young men and women who lost their lives that night. They were dubbed the Palace 15, but as James Whitehurst, the man who coined the term, said earlier in the series, they're not a number. What's important is we remember their names. The Palace 15 are in our hearts and thoughts forever. Your memories live on in the tales we tell our children. My memorials are etched across my body and all that asks know who was lost on 23rd of June 2000. Rest easy, Palace 15. You'll never walk alone. Sarah Williams. Stacey Slark. Kelly Slark. Michael Lewis. Claire Webb. Natalie Morris. Gary Sutton. Melissa Smith. Sebastian Westerveld. Atsuki Toyona. Adam Roland. Yoli van der Velgen. Julie O'Keefe. Childers, 23rd of June, 2000. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.